We're going to continue our series called The Path of the Exile today. And I'm glad you guys made it. You guys made it in on a snowy day, but it wasn't too bad getting in here for most of us, I believe. But The Path of the Exile is a, a series that we started last week, and I want to continue this week. And, and the Lord put this scripture on my heart, and, and we're really going to be walking through First Peter, but I, th- this, let's just jump over to Luke chapter 18 and verse 8 to start off. And there's this question, or really it's a question that we, we find out is kind of a question that I'm going to be asking is, is, is this. It says, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? So get this picture that God is kind of looking over the earth. He's looking at the layout and, and he's looking for faith. The question is, will he find faith? He might find, as he looks out, he might find fear on the earth. He might find busyness on the earth. As he's looking out, he might find a lot of productivity on the earth. He might find a lot of religious, spiritual activity on the earth, but the question is, will he find faith? And so I I really want to look at that question and what that means for us, because he's really looking for faith. And, And, you know, you hear a lot these days about how in the United States that, you know, faith is declining and people are, you know, stepping away and the nuns, you know, the, the nun, as far as the religious preference, that checking that box has risen. And, and, uh, I saw some stats though, it says this, uh, of 18 through 29-year-olds in the United States today, about two out of three say they are Christian. Now, that's pretty significant. About two out of three 18 to 29-year-olds, even today, with all of culture shift and all that, still say that they are Christian. And yet, if you go down to, to Generation Z, which is today's teenagers and, and lower uh, there's a lot of confusion happening, and we know it in the wider culture, but especially in, in that generation. Um, and I'll just give you some, just on one particular thing of stats that I saw, and it said that, that in a Barna study of Gen Z, today's teenagers are much more open to gender determined by how you feel, not birth sex. So there's confusion there. One out of three in Gen Z believe this. Seven out of 10 believe it's acceptable to be born one gender and feel like another. Two out of five believe it's okay to physically change your body to become a different gender that you feel. Now you say, well, that's a great way to start a sermon, Sean, right? That's, that's awesome, right? That's just, I just wanna give you just a sample of culture where you know kind of culture is and just kind of, there's a little bit of confusion or I could say a lot of confusion. And if I were to go back and remind you of last week's message, which if you missed last week, you need to go back and listen to it. But I wanna remind you that as much as we would love for this to be like whatever, Mayberry or something back in the whatever times, we're not there, okay? We are more like, we're, we're, we're less like Jews living in Old Testament, Old Testament Jerusalem, but we're more like exiles living in Babylon. It's like we've been extracted out of the culture where, where you know, the kingdom of God is and put in this world of Babylon, but yet we're, we still have heaven in us. How many of you guys know we have heaven in us and we're trying to inject that back into the culture? And so the question is, in all the confusion and all of the, the chaos, as God's looking out for faith and looking for where he will find, will he find faith on the earth? And what does that faith look like? And so when we, when we encounter this, there's generally three responses to this from believers. And, and uh, I'm just going to generalize this, but 
I believe there's generally three responses that we have when we find ourselves as exiles in Jerusalem. And the first response is the angry response. Like, well, I'm gonna raise a fist towards culture and not on my watch, and we're gonna fight the culture. And, and, and those people who get into this angry against society, angry against culture shifting, uh, then really, here's what I found. It doesn't really so it doesn't matter so much who the enemy is, but that there is an enemy to fight. And that enemy seems to shift from week to week depending on what we're told to be mad about. Have you guys have found this to be true? And so you get a whole crowd of people whose response you know, is to get angry and what are we angry about this week and let's fight it and not on our watch and we're gonna fight. And that's one response. From, from a lot of believers. And so that, that's one option that we have. Another option that I've seen happen is with believers is the acceptance. Well, let's just go with the flow. Well, it can't be that bad. Maybe we'll twist scripture a little bit, bend something here. This is people who come to church uh, weekend and Okay, month in and month out, and, uh, and these are the same people that, that maybe will sit by you on Sunday morning, but yet blend in with culture in some way on the week, on Monday morning. Maybe cheat on their taxes, or maybe blend in with culture in some way. This is what a lot of believers end up becoming. Well, I'm just going to go along to get along, and I'm just going to accept where things are and just try to not cause too much noise. Then there's another camp they're not, they're not the angry camp, they're not the accepting camp, but they are what I call the absent camp. And the, these people have decided that the best approach in a culture that's shifting, the best approach in Babylon is to simply to isolate, to pull away from culture, to isolate, to insulate, to try to protect. These are the spiritual preppers, okay? These are the guys who are like, I'm gonna just hang on and wait for Jesus to come back. And we're gonna hang out in a bunker until he does that. And so these are typically the responses that happen. We get angry, we just blend in, or we go into a holy hiding. And so when God is looking for faith on the earth, is this the kind of faith that he is looking for. That's really what I want to look at. So as we go to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse th- or chapter 1 verse 3 through 5 it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Thank goodness we have been saved, you know? That's the first starting point of faith, that we have been saved that through, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have been born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So we say God is looking for faith. And a lot of people are like, okay, well, I have faith. I, I've believed in Jesus. I, I put my faith in Jesus. I believe that I'm going to go to heaven someday. I believe that that's, you know, I've got my ticket, you know, and, and I'm ready to go. And I put my faith in Jesus and, and, and God is looking for faith. And so we, we might say, here I am. You say, sure, I have faith. But here's what I want you to catch today. God is not just looking for faith in heaven someday, but he's looking for faith on the earth for the day-to-day. He's looking for faith that actually works, that's actually active, not just in a hope of heaven someday, that I've got my ticket and I'm going to get there one day, 
but in a faith that as he looks out, it begins to manifest itself in a way that begins to influence the, the earth for the kingdom of heaven right now in the here and now. He's looking for the faith of the exile, the one who would learn how to live by faith even as exiles in Babylon. And so that scripture that I started off with in Luke chapter 18, verse eight, it, it comes right after a story of this widow. It, and Jesus used this illustration of this persistent widow who comes to this judge and the judge isn't righteous or unrighteous, but she, she comes and she pleads her case and the judge wouldn't hear and, and she keeps coming back and she keeps coming back and she keeps coming back and she keeps coming back. And then finally the judge uh, rules on her case and says, because she was persistent, I ended up to, you know, deciding on this. And, and what I wanted to see there is that she kept showing up. She just kept showing up. And no matter how hard it was, no matter what culture was doing, no matter, the, she had the faith that I'm gonna keep showing up. And, and we'll look at how she showed up or how we should show up, but I, I really want us to catch that. That we, we can't pull back, we can't raise a fist in, in, in anger, we can't blend in. We keep showing up, and, and if we wanna have real faith, that's what has to really happen. But real faith, and I'll just, point one is this, real faith has to be tested. Now, how many, you guys are just excited about it. I can just see it on your face. You're excited about this. You're not so much, like, I can see the hope just rising up, like, really? No, if you wanna have real faith, it has to be tested. And this is something most of us do not want to go through. Yet the very next scripture in, in verse six says this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Has anybody been grieved by various trials? Just go ahead and lift up your hand and say, I'm in that camp, okay? All right, let's see what happens, okay? If you're in many trials right now, watch this. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is he saying here? If you wanna have genuine faith, there will be tests. You can't have real faith unless there are real tests. You can try to avoid the tests, but you won't have real faith. And so if you want faith, if you're saying, hey God, look at me, I have real faith on the earth. When you're looking, look to me, I have real faith. You're gonna have some real tests. Now I came across this story that I've been just chewing on for a while. And it's a story actually about the Titanic. And there was this guy that I'd never really heard about before and maybe you've heard about him, maybe you haven't, I don't know. There's this guy named, named John. And he was a Scottish Baptist preacher. And he was, uh, had an invite to come over and preach at Moody Church in Chicago. And so he got on the famous Titanic to come over. Now, how many of you guys know that ship didn't end well, did it? That, that voyage did not make it over there, okay? And so he gets on there with his six-year-old daughter, and they begin to go over to travel to, to preach in this church. And he'd been there before, uh, but he was making a trip again the next year. And so he's on this, this ship with his daughter and his sister. And of course, you know the story. It hits the iceberg. It begins to sink. He wraps his six-year-old daughter in a blanket, rushes her over to a lifeboat, kisses her goodbye, 
and puts her on the lifeboat and sends her away. And while he's there on this ship and it's beginning to sink, he starts to run around and to save other people. And, and he starts to help other people on lifeboats when he had opportunity to get on one himself. He helps with many people and he's running around and, and his, all of a sudden his faith is at the surface because he's, he's asking people, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ? And he knows this could be their very last moment. And so he's going around and trying to witness to people to share his faith in the very last moments. And then the, the ship goes down into the water and now everyone's in the water and some people are clinging on to, to rafts or, or to, uh, to pieces of the ship and just hanging on. And, and John has fall, fell into the water himself and it's icy cold and he's swimming around. And there's this, we, we know this story because it was told two months later at a prayer meeting. There was a, a Scotsman who gets up in a prayer meeting two months later and he said, I was there clinging on to a, a piece of board and all of a sudden a wave washed a man towards me. And it was John Harper. And it washed him up towards him. And John was wearing a life jacket and, and washed him up. And, and John comes up close to this man and, and he says, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? And the, the, the man said, no, I, I'm not. And the wave washed him away. It washed John away. And a little while longer, the wave washed John back again. And he says, are you saved now? <laughs> and he says, no, I'm not. And, and, and so then John did something unbelievable. He took off his life jacket and he said, well, if you're not saved, then you will need this more than I do. And he gave it to the man. And John passed into the waters and he died. And the, this, the Scotsman who now has the life jacket and was saved said that he said, with two miles of water beneath me, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He said, I'm John Harper's last convert. And he stood up, and that's a true story. As best I can tell, I've seen it all on several reputable sites. And I thought, what kind of love would you have to have for people to have that kind of sacrificial love in a moment like that? What kind of and I, and I was wondering that, like, would my faith be that strong in that moment? I mean, would, would I have enough, I mean, would I be thinking that way in my last moments using every little last bit of, of, of time that I had, knowing that people around me, see, what John Harper knew was that it wasn't the waves that, that, would, that people would be lost in, but it would be eternity if they had not turned their souls, and so he used every last little bit of his opportunity, even to as he was sinking into the waters, giving up his own life jacket because they would need it more than he would. And here's the truth. You will never know if you would do that until you were in that moment. You can wonder if you will. You can guess that you would. You can hope that you would. But the truth is you will never know until you're actually in that moment. And why do I say that? Because that's what it means to have faith tested. You can wonder about how your faith will be. You can hope your faith will be a certain way. You can guess about it, but you never truly will know what it is like until you're in that moment and it's actually tested. 
And that's where 1 Peter says that it's the testing of your faith that proves that it's genuine faith. And so many of us would hope to avoid the testing of our faith and still live in this land of wonder and hope and guessing and assuming that we have real faith. But, but Jesus isn't looking around for assumed real faith. He's looking around for faith. And I want to be the type of people that, that has faith when Jesus starts looking. You can't, you can't vicariously live through someone else's faith. That's what we're saying. As, as important as we've heard this story from John Harper, we can be inspired by it. We can, you know, and certainly I hope none of us ever get in that situation where we, we find out. But, but the point is, we, we can be inspired by it, but we can't have his faith as our own. Our own faith has to be tested to be genuine. And so I can say it this way, if you're gonna have real faith, you're gonna have to have some real tests. And here's what I believe. I believe we have too many angry, accepting, and absent believers. Seasoned believers, we would call them. They've been in the church for a long time, maybe even in this room. You've been following Jesus for a long time, but if you look at your faith, it's really not that tested, or at least it hasn't been tested in a while. So we have so many seasoned believers that I believe this year need to be activated. God's really put on my heart that we're gonna see a lot of souls saved this year, a lot of harvest time come into the kingdom this year. And we have so many sidelined seasoned believers who our faith has gone, it's gone extinct or it's gone into hiding or it's, maybe it's produced anger or acceptance or absence. But God wants to do something. I believe God wants to do something this year to activate real faith. And I believe that that would be an exciting, if you could just get a sense of what God is wanting to do. Now, sometimes I believe God even leads me uh, as I'm going throughout my week, even to the right movies to watch sometimes, you know? And, and uh, I was in the, the dollar store a couple weeks ago, and for some reason they had these, these Blu-ray DVDs at the dollar store, and most of them are just movies I'd never even heard of. I'm looking through, and I'm like, who even makes this stuff? Like, what kind of waste of money, you know? And then all of a sudden, I found this gem at the dollar store. Rudy, yeah. How many of you guys have seen Rudy? Anybody seen Rudy? And I'm like, we're in the thick of football season, and I'm like, the dollar store? Who put this in the dollar store on Blu-ray? This is Rudy, for crying out loud. And so I snagged that thing up and I started watching that about a week ago or something like that. And I'm like, and just, just I felt like this. I just felt like this, this Rudy, Rudy, just rising up in my spirit. And because I just kept seeing those scenes of, of I mean, here's this, this little guy who is, is not big enough to make the team, but you watch the thing and, and, and he it just keeps fighting and he keeps showing up and he keeps showing up and he keeps showing up and he keeps taking the hits. Got a quick clip of just some hits just to put you in the mood. Go ahead and, and play this, it's awesome. Send the 
Praise God for that, man. Just <laughs> praise God. Rudy. What I love about Rudy is he just keeps getting back up. I mean, the, the dude just gets, just gets clobbered over and over and over again, and he just keeps getting, getting back up. And I felt like, as I was watching that movie, that I felt like God was speaking to me. And it, and it really was a word for us. I, I know it sounds weird, but it, it was really this, that, that if the seasoned believers this year won't rise up and have their faith activated, that God will raise up some Rudy's. Some people who maybe aren't big enough, tall enough, strong enough, seasoned enough, but people are willing to get hit and get back up. People are willing to have their faith tested. People are willing to say, you know what, I may not know what I don't know, but I'm willing to walk and, and willing to stand up and willing to fight uh, for, for, for what's right. I'm willing to step into to the test. I'm willing to, to battle God's way, I'm willing to do it God's thing, and, and, and who are willing to, to step into the fire and to grow. See, here's the truth of the, the matter. The issue isn't how much you know. The issue is how much you're walking in what you know. So we have a lot of people who know things. It's not about what you know. It's about walking in what you know. And so I looked at that, and I, thought, I saw the story of the persistent widow, and I, I thought, Rudy. I'm like, Rudy, Rudy. As I'm reading the story of the widow, I'm like, widow, widow, you know, and and I'm all excited because she keeps getting back up. She keeps going, keeps stepping in. Very, very similar. Now, of course, at the end, you know, Rudy gets to play in a probable way. And, and it just wouldn't be a football Sunday if we just didn't watch the end of it. So let's just watch this. I just got to.
hold on, I'm just, uh, give me a moment. I'll get back, okay. Um, <laughs> Rudy, you know, I just. But God's gonna use some people, um, and, and it, it really just reminded me of this, uh, of this story of Vince Lombardi. I'm just bringing out all the football stuff today, guys. <laughs> Uh, I've shared it before, but it, there's a story that goes like this of this guy who wanted to be a scout for Vince Lombardi. And, and so Vince Lombardi's like, okay, you wanna be a scout for me? If you wanna be a scout for me, you have to answer one question. And he goes, uh, so he starts to tell this, this guy who wants to be a scout for him, he says, you know the guy who gets, he, who, who's getting ready to play and he just gets clobbered, just gets knocked down all the way to ground, I mean, just plowed over. But he gets back up and dusts himself off, and the scout interrupts him and says, yeah, you, you want me to find that guy? And he's like, no, no, no. You know the guy who gets hit, and he gets knocked down, he picks himself back up, he dusts himself off, but he gets hit again, and he gets knocked down, and he, he, dusts, he, he picks himself back, back up, and, he, and he, he gets hit again another time, and the guy's like, oh, you want me to get that guy? And he's like, no, no, no. You know the guy who gets hit, and he gets knocked down, he picks himself back up again, he gets hit again, he gets knocked down, he picks himself, he gets hit again, and he, and he, he goes, you want, me to, you want me to get that guy? And, and Vince Lombardi says, no, I want you to get the guy who's knocking everybody down. <laughs> and so I, I feel like, that for some of us, we feel like we're just getting hit and we have to keep getting back down, get knocked back down and get back up again. But I believe this year that it's time for some of us to take it a step further. And instead of just getting hit and getting back up, it's time for some of us to start taking it to the enemy. It's time for some of us to start knocking some things down. It's time for some of us to take it to the enemy. Now, I want you to understand, I didn't say take it to culture. I didn't say take it to the Republicans. I didn't say take it to the Democrats. I said take it to the enemy. I hope you all heard me on that. If not, go back and listen to last week. But I believe that it's time for some of us to take it a little step further when it comes to our faith life. And I want you to understand this. Thought number two is this. Different tests produce different outcomes. So, if we go all the way back to Daniel and he was pulled out of Jerusalem into exile, into Babylon, and we know there's this famous story. Many of you guys are fasting, and some of you guys, how many of you guys are fasting, or you don't have to raise your hand, but some of you guys are familiar with the, the Daniel fast. Anybody familiar with the Daniel fast? All right, many, many of you guys are. That comes out of stories like this in Daniel chapter one, verse eight. It says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank, Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king. Now, take note of that. He says, I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned you the food and drink. For why should he see that you were worse in condition than the youths who are of your own age? So what was happening is they had brought them out of their homeland, took them into Babylon, but here was an opportunity for Daniel to compromise his conviction, and he said, I'd prefer not to compromise my conviction. And the guy who's in charge of him giving him the food that it was a compromise said, listen, I'm more afraid of, of my boss, and if I show up and you guys look bad because you haven't been eating well, it's gonna be on me. And Daniel says this, he says, said to the steward who was the chief of the eunuchs, had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he said, test your servant for 10 days. 
Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed. So he's like, test subject A, test subject B. Let's see what looks better at the end. And so he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh. And it's not necessarily something everybody wants, but they wanted that than all the youths who ate the king's food. I think Daniel and his friends, you know, they were young. So I look at them again. I, I go back to, I think they were like Rudy. I think they were more seasoned people. There were more people who had more opportunities in a sense. But they said, you know what? This is our chance. This is our time. This is our generation. We're gonna, we're gonna stand for what's right. We're gonna, we're gonna walk by faith. They had heard about revivals. They'd been grown up around revivals, but they said, let's, let's experience what revival looks like even in exile here in Babylon. Let's be faithful to God. I wanna experience it for myself. And so they did, they took this test. I want you to understand there are different tests produce different outcomes. This guy, this steward said, I fear. So he had an opportunity to take the fear test or the faith test. And this steward, even though he was an unbeliever, even that, he was so inspired by the faith of Daniel that he decided instead of fearing the king, that he would actually roll the dice on Daniel's faith. See, those produce different outcomes. If he would have, produced, if he would have leaned into the fear test, it would have produced a different outcome. Now, most of the time, we don't get to pick the test that tests our faith or produce genuine faith in our life. But how many of you guys sure try at many times to pick the test, right? It's like we try to control the circumstances of our life. And I'm telling you, when we try to control and we try to pick these certain circumstances, it is producing certain outcomes in our life. Most of the time, it's outcomes of apathy or compromise or whatever because we've controlled the test instead of taking the faith test because we want to control the outcome and get, make sure we get the results that we want. When I was a kid, how many of you guys remember those, those uh, watches? Now we have like iWatches and all that type of stuff. How many of you guys remember the watch that was a calculator? Anybody remember that thing? How many of you guys had one of those? Anybody have one of those? All right, I had one of those. I got one of those for Christmas. It's a little calculator on your, I felt like Michael Knight in Knight Rider. If you don't know what that is, you're Gen Z, okay? So, but I'm like, so I had that on at school. I was in sixth grade, I remember this. And I, I had, we had some sort of test or something we were taking or whatever, and I'd completed the test and I was just sitting there with, with a bunch of time. And, and so I was sitting there, I was like, I wonder, wonder if I got those right. And so I'm like, And somebody said, teacher, look what he's doing. He's cheating. He's cheating. And, and I was like, I mean, I was like a good kid. I was not cheating. And I'm like, no, I was not cheating. I had already done the test. I was not cheating. I was just making sure the results were what I wanted them to be. And how many times do we do that in our life? We're like, no, I just want to make sure the test results are what I want them to be. But different tests produce different results. Results, 1 Peter chapter 8, verse 9 says, or 8 and 9, chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. I'll get it right. I'm still thinking Rudy, man. It's just like I'm inspired. <laughs> Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Here it is, obtaining the outcome 
of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, again, this is talking broadly, but we can see that the testing produces an outcome and the faith tests produce a certain outcome. And so influencers are the ones who shape the environment. I believe we're called to influence our environment, but we do not influence our environment by faith, by being angry, accepting, or absent. We don't do it those ways. We, we, we don't do it that way. God doesn't call us into holy hiding, but into faithful obedience, amen? And so we see this response. Like if you wanna see an alternative way or maybe some comforting way, how many of you guys would say you're going through a test? Just be bold right now. If you feel like you're going through a test or a trial, all right, I want you to understand some things. And it is found in this verse. We skip all the way back up to 1 Peter chapter, two, or chapter 1, verse 2, and it says this, uh, and we see a picture of the Trinity here. And in this Trinity, we see a response to all of those three things I mentioned. It says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience to Jesus Christ and for a sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So we can trust God with these responses from the Trinity. Are you angry? Guess what? It says the foreknowledge of God the Father. God knew it was gonna be this way. Whatever trial you're going through, do you know that God already knows what you're gonna be walking into? God knows it. The foreknowledge of God, he knows it. Are you tempted to just blend in and to accept and just to compromise? You know, you, know, you can see this here, the sanctification of the spirit, that you, even in the face of a culture or the face of a trial that may seem like it's tempting you to compromise, you can still live sanctified in an unsanctified environment. Are you tempted to run away? Again, it talks about obedience here, that we are called into faithful obedience. So whatever trial or test you currently find yourself in, guess what? God knew it was gonna be there. You can live right in the midst of it, and God is calling you to walk in faithful obedience instead of to shrink back. God is calling you to, instead of just taking the hits, to start giving some hits to the enemy to start faithfully walking out. Because if you're going to have real faith, you have to have real tests. Why is that? Well, because here's what I believe, and this is the way I'm gonna put it. I don't have like a theological thing behind this. I just see this as a pattern throughout scripture. But it's this, it's really this last thought. Your faith has a shelf life. And it's a dangerous thing to live off yesterday's faith. Because we assume We've got it, but again, we never know until it's tested. And so many, and this is a danger for seasoned believers who've been following Jesus for a long time. Yeah, I remember back in 1989 when the Spirit of God was moving and I was walking in faithful obedience and God is still good, isn't he? Of course he is. But that's beyond yesterday's faith, right? But because God moved in our life at one point, we're not walking with him in real time. It's almost as if faith has an expiration date to it. How many of you guys have ever pushed it with an expiration date on food item before? Anybody at all? Okay, yeah. It's a roll of the dice. I saw on the news this week, this guy from Utah who had a McDonald's hamburger from 20 years ago. Got a picture of it. Go ahead and show it up there just for fun. McDonald's hamburger he kept in his pocket for 20 years. And he said, well, actually, he left it in his pocket, forgot about it for many years, pulled it out, and claims it looks the same as it did on the day he was served. It has not deteriorated. Now, I don't know about that, but 
How many of you guys would chance eating that? Anybody just chance that? Got some teenagers who probably would on a dare. I, give them a buck, they'll do anything, okay? So, but no, take it down. I'm, I'm actually getting hungry. Um, <laughs> it's a dangerous thing trying to consume something expired or trying to use something expired. You don't know what the results will be. And, and I think, I just felt like some of us maybe are living off fumes or expired faith, old faith, stale faith. The Bible calls it dead faith. Whenever you say you have faith, but there's no activity happening, that's called dead faith, stale faith. Why would you wanna take a chance on that? It's expired faith. It's expired faith. God's looking for faith, for real-time faith. I wanna have the worship team come back up at this time, and I'm gonna tell you, just close up with, with two thoughts. One thought is this. One of the things that God really, I already said this earlier, but one of the things God really laid on my heart this year was that we're gonna see a lot of people get saved this year. We're gonna see a lot of people surrender their heart to Jesus Christ. And in that, as he was speaking to me, one of the things he said is, is this. Lean in to those things which are born of the Spirit. In other words, there's a lot of things that are of the flesh. Doesn't mean they're bad. When I say of the flesh or of the natural, doesn't mean they're bad things but pay attention to those things that are born of the Spirit. And here's why, and I, let me just see if I can say this right. You can fight something that's a flesh issue with the Spirit, but you can't fight a spirit issue through the flesh. And some of us are trying to fight spirit, spiritual issues through the arm of our flesh and we're discouraged, and we've lost hope, we're frustrated, and we're, we're angry, we're accepting our circumstances, we're absent, we take a step back from God, take a step back from what God is wanting to do in our life. But there's the truth, you can fight the flesh with the spirit, but you can't fight the spirit, a spiritual thing with the flesh. And there are things, the Bible says, we're not battling against the flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities. And if you really wanna win a battle like that, then we have to have real faith. We have to have real faith. And I believe this year it's time to be activated. And there ought to be, this isn't a message that you're, you're not doing enough and you need to do more. That's not what the message is. The message is an invitation to walk in real time relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I didn't get into this thing. We didn't say yes to starting this church just so we could go through the motions of dead religion. We did this because we were excited about the possibility. What would it be like to walk with God in real time and to see a people move with God in real time? What would it be like to see God moving right in front of our eyes, to see miracles happen, to see, to see God's spirit move and blow through a place, to see, to see thousands upon thousands of people surrender their heart to Jesus Christ under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and to see a move of God sweep over this area. What would it be like to be a part of that? That's why we said yes. How many of you guys wanna be a part of something like that? That's, that's what it's like. This is an invitation. It's not a, you're not doing enough, you gotta do more. It's an invitation. Man, what if we walked with Jesus real time? What if we got back up if we got hit? What if we started knocking some things down? What if through the power of Jesus, we could see amazing things happen this year? I believe, I believe there's some things that are gonna be born in the spirit 
that as we tune our ear to and we begin to activate seasoned believers, but also some of you guys are in this place right now and you're like, I, I don't know much. I, I don't have a Bible degree. I don't have, I feel like a Rudy. Well, guess what? There's a, he's calling your name. He's calling your name. I, I, would even, I would even venture to say heaven is kind of chanting your name right now. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool? Would you guys stand up with me as we get ready to close? And, and I, I have, my last thought is this. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment and just please give your full attention for this last thought. I wanna take you back to that story with John Harper in the water. And he gave up his life jacket and he said to that man who was not saved, you're gonna need this more than me. What was he saying? I already know Jesus Christ, but you say you, you do not. You need to live, you need to live so that you can hear, so that you can surrender. You need this more than me. And I ask you, how confident would you be to surrender your life jacket in a situation like that? Would you need more time to know that you know Jesus? Would you need more time to be confident that you could surrender your life jacket knowing that you were on your way to heaven? And if you don't, if you, if you don't think you could do that, I believe God's placed you right now in this moment so that you can know for sure. And I want you to know as we read these scriptures, Jesus rose from the dead. He died on the cross for our sins. He took our place. There's no way we could be good enough to earn our way to God. Sin was the barrier. Jesus was the solution. He came and he laid down his life and he said, I'll take their sin. I'll take their penalty. I'll pay the price, whatever it takes. And he died on the cross. He took your sin, he took my sin. And there it was nailed on the cross and he rose from the dead. And he said, now there's a path made to God. It's not based on our sacrifice, not based on how good we could be, but it's based on how good Jesus is and his sacrifice. And the veil in the temple was torn open. That simply means that once there was a barrier of communication with the Father, but Jesus tore it open. And sin has been that barrier between you and God. But I, I'm giving you the good news today. Jesus has torn it open. And how do we walk through it? We simply do it by faith, by saying yes to Jesus. And just like that man who was clinging to that little piece of, uh, of raft with two miles of water beneath him, he surrendered his life to Jesus. He said, I'm gonna walk your way. I'm gonna receive your gift of grace to wash away my sins so that I can live right before God. And he surrendered his heart to Jesus. You can do the very same thing today, right now in this moment. The Bible says that you, be, you, you go from spiritual death to being spiritually made alive. The Bible says that your old life is washed away in a moment like this and you become brand new. That there's nothing in your past that can keep you from your future with Jesus. And so if that's you, maybe you say, I've never done that before. Maybe you've done that before, but you feel like I've strayed away from the Father's house and I need to come back. I want you to understand that you can just turn around and he's right there with arms open wide. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, if I was in a situation like that, I, I don't know, I, I'm not sure. Well, today you can be sure. 
And so right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, just for a moment, I wanna just know if we need to take a moment out of the service to pray for you. If you say, Pastor Sean, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to start following Jesus. I need to receive the grace from God. I need to say yes to following him. And I need to enter eternal life right now. Would you just lift up your hand all over this building right now? Just go ahead if that's you. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Take just a moment. All right, several hands went up. What I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna help you with some words. The Bible says, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. What does that mean? It means it's one thing to to believe it, but there's something amazing when we just speak those things out and we kind of seal the deal. That's what I'm gonna help you do. I'm gonna lend you the words, but you supply the faith and the meaning behind this. So everybody pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me for taking my place, for washing away my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead and that you give eternal life. And I choose to follow you by faith right now. And I receive your grace. I repent of my old way and I turn to you the new way. And I follow you. Lord, I pray right now that you would come into my life and make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I thank you that there's people here right now who have crossed over that maybe for the first time. I pray as they walk out of this place that they would experience what it's like to be walking as a brand new creation. We bind any lie of the enemy that would try to distract them or tell them it didn't work or didn't count. But Lord, they would understand and have by revelation of your spirit that they have brand new spiritual DNA, that the old really is gone and the new has come. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I just declare in this place and in this city and in this area, as you're looking for faith, I just declare by faith that you're gonna find it in people like this who are standing right here, who are willing to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, we want to walk in real time with what you're doing on the planet and especially our corner of it. We want to see you do amazing things this year in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's praise him one more time.